Hey everybody, Dave Debo here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Zooming in at you all the way from beautiful Kamloops, British Columbia. And our special guest, Jared Henderson, is zooming in all the way from one of my favorite cities in this whole planet, Montreal. So how are you doing today, Jared? Fantastic, Dave. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, Jared, you're in Montreal, but your investments are all in Ontario. So completely, for those international folks watching or listening to this, Montreal is in the province of Quebec. It's primarily French, and then the rest of Canada, primarily English. Jared is doing most of his investing in the next province over Ontario. So, Jared, first of all, what kind of what is your main focus when it comes to investing these days? So my main focus is student rentals in Peterborough. It's a strong student rental market. We've got Fleming College as well as Trent University. So both schools combined are approximately 15, 16,000 students total. All right, very cool. But I'm thinking, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm thinking there's a couple of schools in Montreal. McGill pops into my mind. A few other big ones probably pop in as well. Why have you picked a smaller city in Ontario versus doing this in your own backyard? That's a great question. Going back to how I began real estate investing, I started in Niagara Falls. I lived in Ottawa for a brief period of time, six, seven years ago, where I started getting into real estate investing. And from a friend of a friend, heard of a way of investing passively where I could invest in condos that were being converted from an apartment to a condo type of ownership. And what really attracted me to that deal was that I didn't have to find tenants and manage them, which was my big fear in beginning the process, right? I I always knew that real estate kind of worked, but you hear about buying a place and then not being able to fill it up and what are you going to do, right? So I didn't want to involve myself on the property management end. And this was a way of getting into the market and dipping my toes into the real estate world. And since then, since I started noticing the surrounding markets appreciate like in St. Catharines and then Hamilton, I started out branching off and buying single family homes there. So if we're going to start my journey and continue along, sounds like I I started in Niagara Falls and I kept moving East. Uh, So how I ended up in Peterborough is I, I, bought a couple of single family homes in Hamilton and all of a sudden, you know, tenants aren't paying me rent five or six months into the lease. And I had to go through a couple of evictions and I said, which well, is no fun for- in Ontario, right? That's definitely no, no. fun in Ontario. Yeah. Just definitely not no fun for anyone. And I really dislike the number zero in terms of how much rent I was collecting. There's, there's no worse number. And what really attracted me to the student rental model is that, I have multiple leases in these houses. And so I would never be without any revenue altogether. So the worst case scenario is these days I'm perhaps half full or four out of six students are there. So I'm always receiving a steady flow of, of cash, which is which provides my business stability. And yeah. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So you progress from from condos, single family homes to student rentals. In a way, it's almost like having the benefits of a multifamily in, in the sense that you've got 
multiple sources of income and except instead of apartments, you've got individual rooms that are that are getting rented out to students. But again, you're in Montreal, your properties are in, I'm not sure how far away Peterborough is from Montreal, but it's a four and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. It's a longer drive than you want to do on a regular basis. So are you in based in Montreal because you're from there or you work there or what's what's got you in Montreal? Yeah, born and raised in Montreal, and I do love it here. The reason why I continued investing in Montreal, sorry, in Southern Ontario instead of Montreal, is because of the strong fundamentals in the GTA through transportation development, job formation, and immigration. There are very strong fundamentals that bring strong appreciation to the GTA and the tertiary markets that I'm investing in. So my logic is I want to continue to invest in the markets that I know that are going to appreciate. Now, of course, well, you would ask why wouldn't I think Montreal would appreciate? Well, our our market has been on fire, I hear, for the last two years. But up until then, I think it was pretty slow and steady. So it definitely didn't compare with the GTA's appreciation and once I saw what was going on in Toronto and in the other markets nearby, I wasn't really interested in investing in Montreal. And to be honest, I wasn't really interested in, in managing my own properties. I developed a strong network. There are lots of meetups and ways to meet different people that are involved in real estate investing in Toronto and markets like Peterborough. And I decided to create a network of people that I'd work with that would help me manage these properties. So I took on a challenge. It's a very hands-off thing for you right now. It is, Mm -hmm. but I would say that it didn't come for free. I've had to have changes in property management. I've had to build a network. And it's about constant communication with the people that you're working with to ensure that you're getting strong service that's comparable to as if you were living close by your property. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. So when you're when you're buying these properties in Peterborough, are you buying them as pre-existing student rentals or are you buying a single family home and turning it into a student rental? I'm buying a single family home. My archetype is a uh, raised bungalow. So it's got a lot of light in the basement, preferably a lot of windows that are already there in the basement. So I don't have to create uh, new windows, which cost three to five thousand dollars per window. Preferably, it's got a side entrance or a rear entrance, so that we have different ways of of accessing the units. And it also lends the ability to create a second suite down the line. So, although I'm doing student rentals right now, I like having multiple exit strategies. So, for example, if the student population dries up and there's too much competition with investors like myself who are concentrating on cash flow and filling up all these rooms, I can either do a single family by just converting it to a nice new home or I can duplex the the building. But to go back to answer your question, Mm -hmm. I'm looking for homes that have about three bedrooms. And what I'll do is we have a recreational room in the basement that's usually about 10 by 20 feet. And I'll turn that into two bedrooms. And I'll turn the space next to the kitchen into another bedroom. 
if the living room is large enough. So I'm usually able to leave enough room for some living space, you know, a common room, if you will, mm-hmm. and turn a three bed into a six bed and generate oh, revenue yeah, that, that way. So a lot of it has to do with the layout of the, the place. Yeah. Is that kind of the sweet spot is six rooms to a house? Six beds is a sweet spot in terms of good cash flow and manageable results. Once you go seven rooms plus, I hear, I haven't done it yet. You need an extra kitchen. It becomes just more, more demanding on my, my manager. And there is a, how do you say, diminishing marginal returns that you're, you're receiving through adding extra bedrooms. And also just health and safety as, as well, right? We, the intention is not to make it an uncomfortable living space. It's to create enough living space so that, you know, six people can live comfortably under one roof. So I'm just remembering back to my university days, Jared, and that's quite a time ago. But so a few things around logistics pop into my mind. So I'm thinking it's six people. Is it typically co-ed or is it you typically have all males, all females? It doesn't really matter. How do you how do you set up your it's actually co-ed most of the time. There's no intended preference. I would give a big shout out to my property manager who definitely screens well. I think that's that's the number one thing. You want to make sure past the, the normal criteria that you have a real good feel for this person, that you understand that they're not going to start large parties, cause mischief, and also knowing the other tenants that are in the building, making sure that they're going to get along, that they don't foresee any conflict. So he's really been strong at that. So a lot of people have big apprehensions about student rentals. They think that, well, the guys are just going to to trash the place. They're going to have parties and you're going to have to do so much work. It's not going to be worth it. I haven't found that to be the case at all. You know, if you screen properly and you treat people fairly, they're going to treat you fairly back. So what is a typical tenancy in a student rental? I mean, because, you know, school goes by the semester. Are you renting out by the semester, by the school year, by the year? How do you you guys do that? Yeah, so I aim for year-long leases. Most of my students are at Fleming College where you're having certain terms be one to three years versus typical university, which would be four years. Mm-hmm. So with these shorter periods of time, I, I do have a little bit more turnover. However, there is some flexibility if I do have a circumstance where, you know, I've got an opening for eight months and I've got that one room to fill, then I, I will be amenable and make that adjustment. So long story short, the decision is made on the fly based on the house's need. But so, I do aim for a one-year so long. Your, your typical tenants, you're going to school, do they take the summers off? And if so, what do you do for those, those four months in the summertime when they're not using? You're trying to get them for a year-long lease. Are they actually in there all year long? Some are. Some are. And even if they're not, I've had success filling out my homes in the summer. They would be slightly less occupied, mm-hmm. but we're talking four to five rooms complete versus six over the summer. Yeah, that's pretty which good. Is, which is fine. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say, I, I know at least where we are located, there's a huge, huge, huge international student population. Is that a big part of your business as well? 
It's starting to become now that both schools are admitting more international students and they're representing a larger demographic. Yes, absolutely. And I was just uh, kind of wondering how, how the COVID thing is affecting that because you know a lot of a lot of kids went home and, and may or may not be coming back for the new semester. Is that is that affecting well, a, lo- well? a, a lot of the international students are uh, the most highly retained tenants that I have because, you know, if you think about someone, I don't know who, whose parents live in Oshawa or, or Toronto and they're going to university in Peterborough, most, most students will just say, okay, well, I'm going to go home for the summer and, and not pay rent. A lot of international students don't have that option. And so they'll, they'll stick with me throughout the entire year. They're, and in the case that they're not in school, they're finding local work. You know, they've got summer jobs right in Peterborough. You know, there's a diverse economy there. So there is more stability than one would think. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Good to know. So Jared, yeah, I got lots of questions for you. So are you typically doing these on your own? Are you working with joint venture partners or investors? How do you go out and buy your properties financially? So originally I started doing them all by myself. I've got in Peterborough, I've got two that I own in my own name. And the other two, I've started taking on money partners. Hmm. Okay, very cool. Yeah. And just to give us the gist, so the kind of house that you that you pick up and that you convert into a student rental by taking that three bedroom bungalow and hopefully creating five, if not six rooms in there. Give us an idea of what would that place typically rent out for as a single family home and and what are you able to rent it out for with your normal occupancy as a student rental, just to get an idea of what the difference is. Yeah, good question. So typical house right now that I do own that would rent out as six beds, I'm getting in between five and six hundred dollars per room. So that would be three thousand to thirty six hundred. However, I do cover a lot of expenses. Number one, I, I cover all utilities and internet. And depending on the house, sometimes cleaning services. So there is a lot of value there in a packaged deal. And if I were to rent that out as a single family home, we're looking at something closer to realistically $2,000. It could be between two and 2,200 where it would be, you know, as we say, plus plus where the family would be taking care of the expenses, the utilities. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes a huge difference on the bottom line because if that single family, because again, you got to take into account, you've got expenses, right? You got your mortgage, you got your property taxes, you got all your, you know, normal uh, expenses with that. So would you say that, that the cash flow, because it's a, a student rental, is probably, I'm guessing, somewhere in the range of, Five hundred to a thousand dollars a month more than it would be as a single family home. Yeah, you know what? I would say five hundred, because depending on who you ask, you know, a lot of people inflate numbers. I really like to to tell it like it is, and I would say five hundred versus a thousand, simply because a lot of the utilities are high when you have you know six six, six people, six you know six uh, young water, people, electricity, yeah. six young people, water, electricity, you know, free laundry. Right. So I've got laundry machines there that, that are being used, hopefully just by them. And, you know, you, you monitor it to make sure it's not excessive. If I notice that certain months things look out of whack, then I'll address it with my property manager. But I'm competing in a market and I'm charging market prices. So in order to make more 
profit, I'm running it as a student rental where I'm generating, I would say, 500 versus 1,000. Going back to the original reason why I started doing student rentals, I would hesitate to say that, how do I put this? I wouldn't want to rent it to a single family simply because I wouldn't want to get stuck in this position I was before in Hamilton, where a lot of people might, you know, everything looks good on pro forma. And until you get hit with an eviction or, or certain problems with, you know, the major tenants, which are, which could be a family that is either going through a tough time or just isn't paying you, one would have to go through that to realize that you don't have many options versus yeah. students. Whereas students, yeah. at least you, there's nothing wrong with healthy turnover and a little bit more work involved to, to have that steady income. Going yeah. back, I, I don't lower, like Lower zero. your risk radically. Yeah, because that, I mean... That's you, the way I see it. Yeah, yeah single-family homes vacant, you're 100% vacant. If you've got a six-bed six student housing, you've got one or two vacancies in there, you still got four or five to keep you afloat. Makes a big, that's big, big difference. Exactly it. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome, Jared. Been a lot of fun. If people want to find out more about you, what's the best way for them to do it? Yeah, check me out on Instagram, Jared H55. I believe you put some of my contact info in the show notes. We can go from there as well and be happy to talk about real estate, what I do, or if anyone's looking to get into the game, advice on uh, the approach to getting their first property. I love talking about it. Awesome. Very good. Thanks a lot, Jared. Nice to meet you. Thanks so much. Likewise. All right, everybody. Take care. Talk to you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at investorattractiondemo.com. Take care.